Welcome to Sacrifice to Success podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of the Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody. So today we are back with another episode, and today I have the pleasure to speak with Nick Espinoza. Welcome, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're located and what you do for work. Uh, Sure. I am the chief security fanatic of security fanatics. We do all things cybersecurity, cyber warfare, cyber terrorism, infrastructure, and government compliance related. Um, We're out of Chicago. And uh, obviously, we go where the work is, which is essentially globally. On top of that, um, I've done four TED Talks, have a nationally syndicated radio show. I write for Forbes. I'm on their tech council. I also happen to be the president of the Foundation for Human Internet, uh, which is a nonprofit looking at uh, making the internet a whole lot more human, a lot less bot. So I'm very excited mm. for that project as well. Wow. Okay. So, you know, you've done a couple of things, I guess. No big deal. What four TED Talks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So take us back kind of towards the beginning. And uh, did you want to be an entrepreneur when you were young? Or like, what was your journey into like where you are now? And when did that start to evolve? Okay. Um, well, if we're talking about entrepreneurs, uh, you know, if I'm looking back at my my nerd self back in the day, I had no inclination and missed a whole bunch of advice from my father. I should have taken back in the day, less <laughs> lesson learned, right? But yeah, um, but yeah, no. I mean, I you know, my nutshell story is I got my very first computer when I was five years old. Uh, my dad brought it home, and when he went to work, I took it apart piece by piece, screw by screw. Whenever he got done whooping me. I put it back together and it worked. And at that point, game on. I built my first computer at seven, could program in 12 languages when I was nine. At 12, I actually started getting certifications back from like Novell, like back in the day. I don't even mm. know if you know who they are at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, got my first job um, in tech. Well, actually, I broke into my first government system at age 14. And then uh, and then uh, I got my first job at uh, in tech support, in technology at like 16, 17 years old. Grew that for a couple of years. And then at 19, I founded my first corporation, Windy City networks grew that for about 15 years before being acquired uh in 2013 and then in 2015 uh spun up uh security fanatics uh mm. which is what i'm doing today so that is my 90 second life story in that sense so in terms of yeah. being an entrepreneur i you know i think it was more for me the the flexibility to be able to do what i want i'm 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 a i'm a nerd like a nerd nerd but i also am extroverted meaning like i didn't want to sit like in a cubicle working for somebody else you know 16 days you know uh or 16 hours a day just you know coding and all of that mm-hmm. uh you know i just wanted to have the flexibility to pivot and do what i want and try new things if you will in business and and i've been fortunate enough to be able to do that that's super cool do you in reflecting on on that do you feel like man i was born at like the right time because had you been born I don't know, 10, even 10 years earlier, being in that world of computers might have been totally different. Yeah. You know, I've always said if I was born three years before I was born, I'd probably be doing this interview from a, from a private Island. (laughs) (laughs) I would have, I would have had the cash to invest in the companies I knew that were going to make it, but I was a broke teenager. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so while I did okay in, in that era, it's like, oh man, if I had 
you know, if I, if I had more disposable income at that time, I, you know, I would have, I would have bought a lot more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's interesting in the sense that you grew up in the era that you grew up in. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I was essentially there at, at the foundations of the personal computer, you know, right? I mean, this was the 1980s. Mm-hmm. It was really starting to come into its own. They were still very expensive, uh, you know, as opposed to a few hundred bucks now. And I think that gave me a bit of an advantage only in the sense that as, at least coming from the actual um, technology side, it gave me the ability to see how operating systems were developed and how we interact with it. And one of the biggest problems we actually have today in hiring, whether it's IT or cybersecurity, is a lot of the um, people that are graduating you know, colleges right now, they've been ensconced in technology. They've been ensconced in like Windows and the ability to just click on icons and make things work. Well, when those icons don't work, you know, then do you understand how to go to command line and do what you need to do? That's the era I grew up in. So in that sense, I think there are advantages to this. I also think I have a better sense of privacy than the newer generation. I have to imagine I'm a little older than you or a lot older than you. And (laughs) your concept in your generation is typically different than the concept that my generation Gen X has when it comes to privacy. We don't share on the Facebooks of the world or the TikToks of the world uh, like your generation does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I'm in, I'm in this weird kind of middle. I think uh, who's the, one of the comedians? She calls it like an elder millennial. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the very far <laughs> right, end of that. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's and that's what my wife is. You know, I'm on the tail end of Gen X. She's at the very beginning of of the millennial, and it's like that zennial kind of you know, like little mini generation where we started to adopt technology. But, you know, you look at kids born today. I mean, they're born with cameras in their hands, <laughs> you know, cell phones everywhere, tablets, everything, you know, and yeah. it's just a different era. We didn't have that. Completely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away still by the fact that my kids will never know a world where they can't just like touch a screen and make it do stuff. I agree. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, and when it doesn't work, now that it's a disaster, you know, the best way to get yeah. kids to, to get, get kids to come downstairs to, to come to dinner is turn off the wireless. It's like yeah. a bomb going off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'll, I'm going to keep that tip in my back pocket. Yeah, I'm still too you young for that, but I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, uh, you've, so you've built multiple companies and, um, I'm sure that you have so many things that you could, you could share in that, but like maybe in your first business, as you were building that and growing that and getting acquired, what is, um, you know, something that stands out as like, man, this was like a pretty tough challenge that uh, we kind of went through. And then uh, here's the lesson that we got from that in, in growing that first business. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's understanding fully when you want to move into a new lane. So mm. what I mean is I, I've been in technology pretty much my whole life, right? I, I I started with infrastructure, you know, I've been focusing on cybersecurity for 20 plus years now. And the very beginning of um, Windy City Networks, I would say a few years into it, um, we were doing well. And I thought, you know what, I should open up a graphic design division. And so I got basically a couple graphic designers and we actually landed contracts uh, back in the day from um, like Virgin Records, Capitol Records, all that kind of stuff to do advertisements for like Best Buy. So that new Beatles CD was coming out. It would be our artwork and like Best Buy from coast to coast, you know, and, and that was really cool. But I think what I did not understand is that graphic designers are entirely different people than your mm. standard nerd, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I remember this one where, you know, I, I basically was talking to one of these and I'm like, hey, we got this deadline for, you know, whichever one it was at the time, like Virgin Records or whatever. And uh, he's like, oh, he's like, well, I just I just 
can't art today. Like, I don't feel like I can art, like create, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. And, my deep, my, and, and I like, I've never experienced that, you know, as, as, as an owner. And so my only response I could think of on the top of my head was, well, you know, I just, I just don't feel like signing checks on Friday. I, just, <laughs> I can't really make myself do that right now. <laughs> you know, be basically get, get in gear, man. Come on, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, and so that I think was a real, a real good lesson. Um, you know, that too. And I think surrounding yourself with, with people that are smarter than you and things that you realize you need, but are not fully aware on. I'm the first to say, I don't know this, you know, so I need some, I need an expert to, to help me with it. It's why I don't do my own root canals. It's why I don't change oil in my car. You know, I've got people that, that I exchange money in, in response for, you know, whatever they do. And, and I think that is just such an, uh, such an important thing. Understand that you, you know, that you, or you should understand that you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love that. I think, and it's, it's just really interesting thinking about all of those different types of people on the way that they, they operate yeah. and like, yeah, totally get like yeah. the artist, <laughs> that total, like super artist mode there. And yeah. then, not to say that everybody's like that, but no, not at all. Those, not at all. Yeah. But I've yeah. never had it. I've never had an employee where it's like, or I feel like I need a fainting couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like it just, it, it was, it was a new experience for me because most people are good on deadlines or if they have a problem, you know, they can relate it to me and okay, we'll figure out what to do. But, but just the inability to work that day because you're not feeling it was, is it's, it's unlike anything I've ever had to experience before. <laughs> Yeah. And like the, the creative personality, just like a side tangent, like sometimes like it's, that's legitimately like a real thing where like today just nothing's coming out, but yeah. then tomorrow you might create something that's just like mind blowing and awesome. Right. Right. And, and that is totally, totally fine. But again, I don't come from that world. Right. I'm, I'm, my, my, my paintings are stick figures. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not, that, yeah. that's who I am. And I fully, I fully admit it, you know, and yeah. But but learning those things is is absolutely true. It's like, you know, I write regularly now and I understand by virtue of writer's block. Sometimes you just can't figure out, you know, like and, and mind you, I'm not writing fiction like I'm writing, you know, articles on the state of the world or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. sometimes you just can't get the words out. You know, it's yeah. a good lesson. It's a good lesson. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> OK, yeah. so uh, you have a family to how kids, wife. What, what does that look like? Uh, yeah, I have a family and that's all I'll. Just well, for, for security purposes, that's all I'll say. Oh, okay, cool. I was just, I, so what I wanted to dive into is uh, like, I'm always curious in finding out how people navigate this world of like being an entrepreneur, running a business, mm -hmm. having all these employees, and then also maintaining that ability to oh, sure. you know, yeah. have family well, and, life. And and so. with, that, with anything, it's a work-life balance. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that is one of those things that you'll hear people endlessly beat over and over and over, but a lot of times it's BS. You know, there are times when it's like, look, I've got to work or I've got to travel and this is what it is. And I think having, you know, a good spouse or a good partner that, you know, understands those things is, is one of those things, providing you're not fully involved one way or the other. There has to be some kind of balance, even if one week it's 80-20 one way and the other week, hopefully it's 80-20 the other. Mm -hmm. And so taking those times strategically that you can, I think, to, to, to have that really helps to foster a relationship. And I think one of the things that I look back at my own life was, and I mean, I, granted, I founded my first business at 19. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like at the time I was dating my high school girlfriend, you know what I mean? Like this is not, right. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, you totally know, different. So lost that relationship, lost the next relationship, lost the next, because, because they are interested in interacting, having a relationship. And I'm like, yes, you're on the side while I'm 
focusing on growing what I'm growing. My friends are going to college and going to parties. I'm going to work on the weekends, you know, and, and I have about, I want to say at about 27, 28, um, was when I really realized just how important it is to actually have that balance because mm -hmm. I was dating somebody that I thought, yeah, this is somebody that I could potentially, you know, you know, be with for long-term or marry or, you know, whatever it is. And she ended up dumping me because she's like, you're never around. And that mm -hmm. I think was more of a wake up call than anything else. And I would always throw myself into work after a breakup because, you know, Hey, that's how you get over it, you know, in my world. And those were, I think some hard lessons, you know, as I look back now, you know, to say, okay, these, you know, those are things I, I if I had known 19 year old Nick, I would have smacked him upside the head and said, you know, like, <laughs> you know, there has to be a balance. He'll do fine, you know, but, but make time for other things as well. And I think that's, that's true. And then obviously you throw kids onto that mix, you know, and, and kids obviously need time. They need attention. And when they're younger, they do not understand why mom or dad is gone for extended periods of time. And, and there are, there are, I think, balances that, that have to be made there as well. Like, you know, not missing, I don't know, soccer games or hockey games or, you know, whatever the kids are into, um, you know, but it's also that one-on-one -on -one quality time as well. Uh, and just by virtue of my schedule, I oftentimes can be like, oh, I have got a random Wednesday free, you know what I mean? Or, mm -hmm. or something like that where where I, I can peel off and, and focus on those kinds of things. But I try to maintain a work-life balance. I had, I would say, for since about 2013, when I sold my first company and merged into a larger company, I was actually had a pretty good work-life balance. But the last couple of years, it's actually been skewed because, quite frankly, everybody's hacking everybody, mm -hmm. and we have a we have a hiring shortage in in cybersecurity in general. We can't hire good people, and so while everybody's hacking and we're getting more and more calls, it's you know filling the ranks is difficult, and it's not just us; it's it's all across cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think one of the things that you said that really stood out to me was you're strategic about it, not just like letting it happen, right? Because it's easy to just let work take over all the time, but Absolutely. like noticing like, hey, this week it's going to be high. So next week I'm going to be strategic about making sure I schedule some more time on carve out over here so that right, right. they get the attention that they need as well. Right. So, I mean, emergencies happen, right? The, yeah. the number the number one call we get is, oh my God, help. You know, we're getting hacked. We've been ransomed. I've never worked with you, but I read an article. I saw you on stage. I saw one of your talks, whatever it is, please help. The number two call is, yeah, we don't want to be that guy. So what do we have to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and and that's nice, but I we obviously prefer call number two over call number one, and that's everybody. But we're oftentimes helping people on the worst days of their lives, and that's something that I think we, you know, we we really try not to take for granted because nobody wants yeah. to be in that situation without help. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Lynn, let's let's dive into that a little bit. Tell sure. tell us about like what are what are things that we're we're not thinking about. Like you can just use me. Like I'm pretty ignorant to this whole world. And so what should I be looking out for and thinking about when yeah. it comes to cybersecurity? <clears throat> sure. Well, well, as I mentioned earlier, we have, and I think it's definitely generational. Um, and again, you might be, you know, the, the very beginning of millennial and I might be the tail end of Gen X. So maybe we're in the same boat, but overall we have a changing concept of what privacy is. And by virtue of that, I think that gets us into trouble. And I can talk about ransomware and, you know, oh, you know, the technologies you need to defend yourself. And I'm happy to talk about that. But I think one of the biggest problems we have in society right now is due to the interconnectivity that we have and all of these free platforms, the old adage of if it's free to you, you're the product kind of gets lost over, let's say, the sake of convenience, over short-term thinking of I'm enjoying this now, not realizing there could potentially be long-term effects. I do like daily videos and podcasts and um, one of them about a week or so ago was just called delete TikTok now, and it got 
tens of thousands of impressions, thousands of views, et cetera, et cetera, because essentially people don't realize that this is basically has deep ties to the Chinese government. You mm-hmm. know, that that 12 year old kid, 13 year old kid that's doing something really, really stupid and risque on TikTok, all of that information could be copied, you know, into into basically the Chinese government's hands. And in 30 years, when that kid decides to run for Congress or, you know, is the CEO of a major corporation, the next Zuckerberg or whatever, there's potentially damning information out there. Mm-hmm. We give away so much information, uh, oftentimes unknowingly, many times voluntarily not understanding. It's not just you and me that understand it. If we're talking, it's you, me, and Mark Zuckerberg, who's sucking it all back if we're on Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so those are things I think that we really take for granted, that the world that that we are shaping, uh, the world that is basically being tailored to us through search bubbles or filter bubbles as we look for things or you know scroll through whatever platform we have and get targeted advertising, is being created because we are giving up that information. And the United States does not have good privacy laws uh, regarding this. And I think that's a huge problem. Mm. Okay. So then um, what can people do about it? What's some, some of the basics? Drink. I mean, at this yeah. point, <laughs> just, let's all go get hammered. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so I think part of it is un- understanding what privacy means to you. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of people don't realize that, let's say you get life insurance. It's a perfect example of this. And you tell the life insurance company, oh, yeah, I live a pretty sedentary life. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to war anytime soon or whatever. And basically, if you didn't know this, they can go through your Facebook profile. Thank you, State of New York, for allowing this and basically say, oh, well, there's David, you know, jumping out of an airplane or racing motorcycles or doing whatever. Clearly, you're not leading a sedentary life. And, and that's what we're talking about. And so mm-hmm. understanding that I think that basically what you are putting out there in, into the ecosphere is, is essentially being cataloged for you, used for you. Uh, you know, in the case of like Roe v. Wade, now we have a huge problem with, let's say, women using femtech apps that are tracking things like fertility because that now could be criminally used against them in whatever state they're in if mm-hmm. the state is not, you know, relevant or is not favorable to abortion or criminalizes abortion. Those are things that we just, I think, take for granted. So the number one rule is, at least for me, is I don't post outside of my public Facebook accounts because, you know, here it is. I don't post anything that could be data mined beyond just what I daily post. Um, Mm -hmm. So meaning I'm not posting pictures of my, oh, here's my dinner for tonight, or here's my thoughts on this, or, you know, here's pictures of me and, you know, family and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, there is, there, there is a limit. I think that, that we have to create for ourselves. Also, what we really need to do is I think get members of Congress that actually know technology. That's been a huge problem. I mean, the, the geriatric side of, of Congress is just, you know, they're, they're clueless. And when they were mm-hmm. questioning Zuckerberg a few years ago, I, I tweeted out, I'm like, if, if they had just sent their grandkids, he would have been screwed. They had no <laughs> idea. How, they had no idea how to ask him questions. None whatsoever. I was like, give me 20 minutes with this guy. I'll have him in tears, you know? And, and yeah. I think that's another, that's another issue we've got, but that's a harder one to fix. Yeah. So, so for people just thinking about what level of exposure they want to have out there in the world. Yeah. Well, and also understand that because we're connected through social media, you're also exposing others by virtue. Like every, let's say I were to go over to your house, you know, you, you know, where you live, you have a ring doorbell, you know, I'm now captured on ring doorbell. I didn't Mm -hmm. consent to that, but I'm still going to go hang out with you. Right. And these are things that, you know, that we, we, we take for granted. So I think just being aware of those things, you know, in the world, I think is, is one of those important things, not to mention the fact that we are all interconnected, you know, by social media, email, 
instant messenger, you know, however we communicate with each other, that also means we have to build a herd immunity for cybersecurity in the same way we have to build a herd immunity for a disease. You know, for all, if we all have the vaccination and let's say I don't for whatever reason, let's say I can't get it for medical purposes, you all keep me safe. It's the same way with cybersecurity. If you're answering the phishing emails and we're constantly talking and your email, your email address is compromised or your Facebook is compromised. Now you can potentially compromise me because now you have a direct line to fish me. Mm. And, and that's another thing I think that people don't realize. Yeah. Okay. So then from a practicality standpoint, are there certain pieces of software that you would say, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to go do this stuff, like run it through a VPN or whatever, you're like, yeah. what are those types of things that you recommend? Yeah. Well, I mean, are we talking on the personal side or the corporate side? Uh, let's say both. Okay. Well, then let's start with the personal side because corporations have to spend more than per, I'm not expecting you to buy a $10,000 firewall for your house, right? Mm -hmm. I am yeah. expecting the corporation to do that though, you know? And yeah. so getting a couple of defense pieces of defensive technology are, are good. Um, I like to say that the number one problem we have is education, user education. And there are a lot of platforms out there um, that uh, that you can go and use or, or at least um, start getting educated on. I sit on the board of a nonprofit called Bits and Bytes Cybersecurity Education that targets grade school kids for security awareness. And it's a huge thing. It's she's started by a 15 year old Stanford um, uh, fellow. She's brilliant. But cool. I say all of that to say um, that that essentially, if we're looking on the personal side, as you mentioned, a VPN will help encrypt traffic as you're leaving, you know, your phone or device and going out to the internet. So you're not giving the Verizons or the Sprints of the world an understanding of where you're going. That helps ramp up privacy, helps give you security. Um, things like um, uh, EDR or endpoint detection response solutions. We are gone. Uh, gone are the days, I should say, of antivirus. We're just done with that at mm -hmm. this point. They don't keep up. They're they're easy. I could teach a third grade class how to download infections past your antivirus. But endpoint <laughs> endpoint detection response starts to leverage artificial intelligence so that you start to understand, or, or I should say the platform starts to understand how you act, how you behave. And so when something is introduced that is outside of that, like, hey, this Word document doesn't seem right, or it's, you know, or suddenly David's on at three in the morning, like opening stuff, like that doesn't seem right at all it'll start to kick in and defend you in a, in a better way. We also need mm. things like identity management solutions. We have a huge problem with stolen usernames and passwords in the dark web. That's how Colonial Pipeline was hit. Stolen username and password, logged into their corporate VPN, got into the billing system, shut the billing system down. And for the record, the pipeline was never hit. They just shut it off because they couldn't figure out how to bill everybody. So there you go. There's your national panic. But <laughs> my point is, is that is that an identity management solution understands, like the endpoint detection response, who you are and how you interact. So me sitting here in Chicago, if suddenly it's you know 3 a.m. here in Chicago and I'm trying to log in from Moscow 3,000 times a second, that's business hours in Moscow, the system understands, hey, something's not right. Somebody's trying to break into Nick. It shuts it down mm. and it kicks it out of everything, meaning I can't get into any of my stuff and that is protecting me as well as protecting my data. So we have a lot of different things. For your home, you can get um, basically uh, firewalls that understand threat detection. They're called UTM or Unified Threat Managed Firewalls. So anything that you go, let's say you try to go out to that website and, and, and it's a phishing site, hopefully the firewall will block you so you can't get there. Or if you try to download an infected file or an image, it'll see it and it'll prevent you from downloading it. The goal is to stop threat from leaving your network or coming into your network. And everything has to go in and out of basically this little firewall. And you can get them for the home side on, um, you know, for maybe like 500 bucks, 
you know, it's, it, they're not, they're not that expensive. Now on the corporate side, obviously we're, we're doing all of those things, but more advanced firewalls, more advanced endpoint detection response, more advanced identity management, uh, you know, all those things. So, so I would do all of those things, plus things like digital rights management that actually prevents you from being extorted from ransomware by mm -hmm. tagging and encrypting your files. So if I break into your company and I steal your files, all I'm stealing are encrypted files I can't open. So I cannot extort you for money. You know, so cool. yeah, so there's a there's a lot of different things that we can do. And then the default table stakes are make sure you've got good passwords, make sure you got unique passwords, and enable multi-factor authentication. You can go download free apps like Authy, A-U-T-H-Y, uh, to do that. And it should be on absolutely everything. Almost everything has it out there, except I think for Netflix, and I need Netflix, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I'm willing to put up with that one. But but for the most part, like Amazon, your bank, Google, Facebook, they've all got They've all yeah. got uh, multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication, as it's sometimes called. Cool. Love it. Okay. Thank you for the education in that whole world. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy. It's like the Wild West out there. <clears throat> it really is. Everybody's hacking everybody. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get the calls. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's let's kind of wrap this up by shifting back over to you a little bit more for the last couple sure. of questions. So I'd love to hear... Uh, since you've been an entrepreneur for so long and had all of these different things that you've gone through, what is like one thing that you're super proud of that you created um, and being an entrepreneur? Uh, for, from a from a business entrepreneurial standpoint, um, I, I honestly, I would I would have to say it'd probably be my second TED talk. I am mm -hmm. I am I'm a fan of that one, and not that I'm a, not a fan of the others, but that one um, is called the Five Laws of Cybersecurity. Um, mm -hmm. It was an article I wrote for Forbes um, that actually got changed by Ring Doorbell, which is why I hate Ring Doorbell with a passion. Long story, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, they changed my Forbes article, and I, it literally it's a it was a whole thing. But um, I actually I did this, and essentially, at least in the cybersecurity community, it went viral. It has an aggregate of around I want to say one million views or so, which is really good for cybersecurity. Anything, mm -hmm. um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I assume name soon to be changed, um, is using it for their Trinity Challenge. It's in college curriculum now. And essentially, my whole goal with that was to essentially codify um, five core laws of cybersecurity that anybody could understand, you know, so when I wrote it, I had my 80 something year old mother, you know, in in mind, if she can understand these, anybody can understand these and she mm -hmm. does. And so the whole point of that was to just basically understand if you're walking into a situation where you're using technology, understand these these core concepts as you're adopting new technology as you're walking into Starbucks, should you be using the wireless, you know, those kinds of things. So I think that's probably one of those things I'm most proud of. Cool. Love it. Okay. And last question, what makes you feel fully alive? What makes me feel fully alive? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Well, I guess it depends on it depends on the 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 era of my life. Um, you know, so I used to race motorcycles, for example. Ooh. Um, I actually, yes, I actually have a motorcycle symbol tattooed on my back from my nice. from my early 20s. So I used to do 600 cc and 1000 cc motorcycle racing, and then I did autocross, uh, you know, in cars for a while, and all that kind of stuff. Never, never a pro. I'm six foot two and built like a linebacker. So, <laughs> you know, there's no way I'd compete with the five foot four jockeys that were like on these motorcycles. But like, it just was fun. I just enjoyed that. Um, and so I've always kind of had that. I think right now in this this phase of my life and I, I do enjoy those things as well i'm actually interested in getting back into autocross not so much the bikes anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> you know at, yeah. at my age but definitely autocross um is i actually really i, I really enjoy traveling 
Um, you know, that that's one of those things I do. Now, from a business standpoint, I think what really fires me up is I, I'm in a service industry. And I think you really have to have a passion for helping people to be in cybersecurity because we are literally talking to people sometimes on their darkest days. Mm -hmm. And it really gives me a very deep sense of satisfaction when I'm able to, to help somebody through that. You know what cool. I mean? Like, like, don't yeah. worry about it. We'll sign contracts later. Let's just get you through the hump and we'll figure this out. And I have yet to have anybody screw me, you yeah. know? And, and I think that's, that's just one of those things. Cause at the end of the day, we're all on this planet together. We all have to help each other out. And it's something that I, I, I derive a deep sense of satisfaction from. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, Nick. Well, where can people find you? Where, where's the best place to get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, well, you can find me um, basically uh, uh, on LinkedIn at slash Nick Espinoza, Twitter, Nick AESP. I believe Facebook is also Nick AESP, YouTube slash Nick Espinoza. I was very late to the YouTube game, so I can always use followers there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I also have a nationally syndicated radio show that goes out on uh, public radio or NPR affiliates, specific affiliates. Um, that is called the Deep Dive Cybersecurity Show. Um, feel free to find me on your local station or catch all the old episodes on SoundCloud. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show and spend some time with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.